Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Turn with me to 1 Kings 19, uh, verses 19 through 21. I just want to encourage you today as you're going there, and if you don't have it, we're going to put it on our screen, screens, uh, 1 Kings 19. Uh, 19 through 21. Hey, look, look at me real quick. Uh, the Lord loves you today, and He knows what you're going through, okay? Uh, everyone, look at me real quick. Uh, the Lord loves you. I'm, I'm going to look at every single section here today because I don't want you to say, well, He looked at every section except mine. I'm looking at your section right now. The Lord loves you today. The Lord loves you today, and He knows what you're going through. Just kind of wave at me if you're kind of hearing me today. The Lord loves you and he knows what you're going through today. He hasn't forgot about a single person in this room. Amen. He hasn't forgot about, and those watching right, online right now, the, the Lord loves you. He hasn't forgot about you. He knows what you're going through and he's got a purpose and a plan for your life. And don't second guess that today. Maybe, and why am I saying that? Because I think maybe there's some people here that Maybe you came here today and you're just like, man, no, you know, no one ever talks about my situation. Well, I just said something that's so broad <laughs> that God can work in the middle of that. And he's, I believe he's speaking to you. If you're willing to reach out and grab a hold of it, I think he's got something for you today in this service. First Kings 19 says this. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now, real quick, before I finish my text, remember, Elijah was the greatest man of God that Israel had ever seen. He walks up to a nobody and throws his cloak on him. Last week, in part three of No Lost Causes, my message, I said, Elijah, it'd be kind of like if Superman walked up to a nobody and gave him his cape. He was passing the mantle on saying, this is going to be the person that succeeds me, that follows after me. So it says, Elisha then left his oxen. So this, this guy is a nobody. He's in the field with a bunch of, uh, 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 you know, he's with oxen. And he, there's 24 total, uh, 12 different rows of two that are, that are together by a yoke. He's on the last one. Elijah comes up, put his mantle on him. And it says he left his oxen and ran after Elijah. He says, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye and I'll come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. He says, what have I done to you? Kind of hits Elijah, the seriousness and the gravity of the fact that this, this guy is a young man. He doesn't know anything about ministry, but he's about to find out. It says, so Elijah left him and went, excuse me, Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen, listen to this, and he slaughtered them. These were very valuable. So just the, the field that he was in, a lot of theologians would say that Elisha was going to receive a, an inheritance and it was a, a it was worth a lot of money and and it says that he he slaughters these oxen and he burns the plowing equipment to cook the meat and he gives it away to the people that were there and they ate then he set out to follow elijah and became his servant i want to talk to you today part four of our no lost causes series and i'm excited about this series because this is gonna be an interesting series. After next week, I think we're gonna pause this series for a couple of weeks. We're gonna do some filming, and I'm inviting some people in my life on this topic of no lost causes 
because I believe this is going to be something I'm developing for my next book. But I believe on this concept of no lost causes, we're going to bring in some people that I know that have extraordinary stories. We're going to do a video series where I sit down and interview these people. And then each week after the start of the year, when we pick this series back up again, we're going to get into the video uh, interviews with these people of no lost causes. And I believe it's going to be pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, but today in part four, I'm going to talk about no lost causes. It is called no plan B. Look at someone next to you say no plan B. Father, thank you for this time together. Bless every person that's watching online, every person that is in this room. And I just ask that the power of the Holy Spirit would be present in this place to remind us of how bright the future looks when we truly entrust it to you, Lord. And uh, help me deliver this in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name, amen. Has anyone ever made a half-hearted decision? Raise your hand if you've made a half-hearted. Some of you only lifted your hands halfway. Raise your hand if you've ever made a half-hearted decision. Okay. I know I struggle with this uh, half-hearted decision thing. I, I, I've been through this many times in life where I, I decide I want to do something, but then I get nervous as I'm deciding it. You know what I'm talking about? Where you kind of get nervous of, of, of like going all in the situation. So you kind of leave a little room just in case it doesn't work out. I'll give you an example. Uh, when I was 13, I grew up in a Christian home, and my parents were never like the kinds of people where you weren't allowed to listen to any you know, secular or pop music, anything like that. Uh, they did kind of limit certain things, but so I had, I had back in the day something that was uh, of the utmost value to any kid that loved music in the mid 80s. And here's what it was. It's called a tape collection. Okay, so I had a tape box. Does anybody remember the huge boxes? Now, you got to be a little older. I, I need some people to help me out here so I don't feel like I'm the only one. Did, did anyone else have a tape collection? And I mean, these, these were huge. They had, they're like carrying cases. And mine was enormous. And I had all of my tapes. I, I'm the most disorganized person in the world, but my, everything in there was alphabetical. It was all arranged alphabetical. I had some of the greatest records. I had Michael Jackson Thriller was in there. I had Prince Purple Rain in there. I had something that none of y'all know about. It's called the Force MDs. I used to love this band called, y'all know that jam right there? Tender love. Love so tender, holding me close to you. Oh, baby, I surrender. Can't, you know that jam right there? Y'all know Tender Love by the Four MDs? Okay, there's some OGs up in here today. Man, I had everything. I had Midnight Star. Y'all don't even know who Midnight Star is. Raise your hand if you know who Midnight is. That can't be that. Y'all know Midnight Star? Play another slow jam. This time make it sweet. On a slow jam. For my baby and for me. Playing. I could sing that whole song right now, but I'm not going to do it in church. I'm trying to illustrate to you. This tape collection was valuable to me. I had all my jams, my favorite records. I had some Stevie Wonder in there. I had everything. Michael McDonald, who I love growing up. Everything was organized. And you take time to develop and you guard your tape collection. You only show it to the most precious of friends in your life. You got to guard it because people could steal tapes, okay? That's happened before. I'll tell you something. People try to borrow tapes, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. So anyways, back in the day, there was no internet. So the only things that were really viral is sometimes people would like have these VHS tapes that they would pass around. They would give you these tapes. There was this tape floating around 
back in the day that talked about how all the secular music was like demonic messages that would like, you know, you would become possessed or something if you started listening to it. So I remember watching this one tape. It came into my house, a VHS tape of a guy, and he broke down every single album that like all the songs were, you know, if you played them backwards, it's, it said like, you know, I'm the devil's child or something like, like it was like, me, like deep, deep embedded message. And it freaked me out as a 13 year old. I was so scared. I, and this is not even from my parents. My parents didn't even tell me to do this. This is something I chose to do. You know what I did based on watching that one VHS tape? I threw... I threw away my entire tape collection based on this one thing. It probably would have been worth at least $50 today on eBay. I mean, it was, it was that been, that's it's priceless. So I threw this thing away. Okay, but here's the point I'm trying to make to you is I didn't go all in, though, because here's why. I kept one tape. You know what tape I kept? my original mixtape. And for those of you that don't know what a mixtape was back in the day, let me just explain to you how it worked. You had this big old jam box, it was about this big. And you used to listen to the radio. And when you did not have enough money to go buy the 45 album or the cassette tape, what you would do is you would sit around and wait for your jam to come on. You'd have that mug on pause for hours. You'd be sitting there on pause, and you'd just be sitting there, and you wait for the other song, and you would hear the intro, and you go. I got you. Woo! And you had it. You knew it was your. I mean, I got songs that I remember. The actual song, when I hear them today, like at the end of, of beat it, you beat it, no one wants to beat it, feet in my head. I remember I learned that on my mixtape. So be sure them, it'd be fading. Okay, strong Welcome to the hot rockin' BJ 105. We are I, I, I can still hear the guy's voice from listening to it on my mixtape. So I kept my mixtape. And what was on the mixtape? Four Simds, Midnight Star, Prince. All the things that I threw away, see, I made a decision that I was going to do something, but I kept one foot in that old life. Something happened to me kind of similar when I got older and I was in my 20s. I still have the eating habits of a teenager, but I had the exercise habits of someone that is not a teenager. So when I started realizing, yo, my, my jeans don't fit me no more. Someone was like, hey, you need to go on the Atkins diet. That's a real nice thing to tell someone, you know what I'm saying? Like you walk up and be like, hey, you need to go on the Atkins diet. So anyway, someone told me about the Atkins diet. It's like low carb. So I decide, I make a decision after never, never having tried the Atkins diet that I'm going to do this way of eating for life, okay? I, I'm, I'm going I'm to cut out all carbs for the rest of my life. So what do I do after hearing about this? I, I take out everything from my apartment, every carb, not, not one car. I threw all my carbs away in the garbage can. So I have a habit of doing this kind of thing. Uh, I, ta I take them all to the, to, the, to the dumpster, throw everything away, and I go grocery shopping. Okay, So I buy only meat and only cheese. And I'm, I'm, I'm about to ring up everything and just check out. And I think, well, what if I have company over? 
And what if they like Oreos? I mean, you can't, you know, that's, that's, that's rude. So I came up with this concept called the company cabinet. Okay, so the company cabinet is where you put all the cars. But how many people know after you've eaten nothing but chicken for two days, you finna hit the company cabinet real quick. You know what I'm saying? So I started just, you know, it didn't work out too well. So I had, I had one foot in to this, this life, but the company cabinet, are you with me here today? And, and I think that that is the problem. It's, it's like I knew a lady growing up that was one of my friend's moms that when she would come to church every week and I would go over to her house and she would have this horoscope stuff on her uh, kitchen table and she'd be reading her horoscope. Now, look, horoscope, it's just not biblical. It's, if you're living your life based on what month you're born in, that's jacked up. That's not in the Bible, okay? That's not a way. You don't serve God by doing a little bit of what you like. I mean, come on, are you here today? And then following some other thing that's not according to the Bible. And she was one of these kind of ladies that used to freak me out, too. She was so into it, so into horoscopes. You ever met someone that's so into horoscopes? I remember, like, I'd be over there. She'd be like, do you guys want to eat? You know, do you want to eat at TGI Fridays? I'd be like... I'd be like, no, let's, let's, let's have Mexican. I like Mexican. She'd be like, that's such a Leo thing to say. <laughs> you ever known someone that's like, I'm like, what does that, that's a Leo thing to say? And she's like, well, what month were you born? I'm like, August. She's like, you're a Leo. I'm like, yeah, but what does that mean? Leo's only Mexican. I, I don't understand what that, what that actually means. But the point I'm trying to make is she had one, are you following me? She had one foot in. To, the, to, to what God had called her to do, but just in case she didn't like what God had to say. Just in case she didn't like all meat and cheese. Just in case she couldn't live without the four MDs and Prince Purple Rain, she always had that mixtape. And I believe that this is the problem with a lot of our faith. It's not that we're no lost causes. It's just we don't have in common what a lot of the lost causes had in common in the Bible is that is when we find the truth, we're willing to go all in and to burn up our plan B. See, because Deuteronomy 16, 21, 22, God had to tell Israel, do not set up any Asherah pole beside the altar that you build to the Lord your God. Do not erect a sacred stone for these the Lord your God hates. Asherah poles were, it was a fertility goddess. And what, what the Lord was finding is that Israel, while trying to serve him, was also trying to serve other things. They wanted to have one foot in and maybe just a toe out, just in case it didn't work out. Are you following me here today? Come on, wave at me if you're alive here today. I feel like I'm offending some people here today. That's the point, okay? <laughs> so God had to tell Israel, stop. Stop living partially in, partially out. Make your mind up. See, in the kingdom of God, there is all in and there is all out, but there's no in-between. There's all in and there's all out, but there's no in-between. All right, so, oh, whoa, my, my, my notes is out of order. Look at someone next to you say, I need to tell them your life story while I get my notes in order. Tell them where you were born. <laughs> tell them your favorite color. 
Okay. Stop talking. It's, I'm trying to preach. <laughs> okay, I'm back now. So 1 Kings 19, which is our text, it says, Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. I love this about this guy, Elisha. He's a nobody. He's a lost cause. He's, he's out in the middle of the field. He's got, Elijah's got no, no reason, uh, no, no observable reason why he would choose him to be his successor. But he walks up and he throws this mantle on him. And I got news for you today. You may be in a field in some area of your life right now, and it may not look like you've got anything going on. Just be faithful to God. Just be excellent in everything that he has put in front of you. I got news for you. God is watching you, and it's probable that somebody is watching you, looking at your faithfulness right now. You're, look at someone next to you say, you're not wasting your time, I promise. The Bible says, do everything you do as unto the Lord, not unto men. You do everything that you've been set to do as unto the Lord. And this guy is out there doing his thing, and I love it. When Elijah comes up to him, he doesn't say, well, let me, let me try. He doesn't go back home and say, hey, guys, this guy Elijah, yeah, that Elijah. He came up and he cast his mantle on me. He wants me to go with him. He's a little weird. He dresses strange. He's a little abrupt and rude, uh, but I think that I want to try it. But do me a favor. Can you keep my room ready just in case this doesn't work out? No, he doesn't do any of that. The Bible says that he slaughters the oxen. He burns the equipment, which is essentially forfeiting his entire inheritance. And he set out to follow Elijah for the next seven and a half years. He follows Elijah to get the double portion anointing. He would end up doing twice the miracles that Elijah did because he was faithful and he was willing to go all in. So, so his, his idea here was that there is absolutely no plan B. Somebody say no plan B. You got to burn up your plan B. You got to get rid of your plan B. If you're here today and you're in a marriage and the way you're looking at your marriage is this is good for now. There should be a lot more ooh's going on right now. <laughs> if something in your mind is going, this is working now, but if, if, if you can even go down that road of but if, marriage is an all in situation. It's an all-in situation. Somebody say, I'm all in. You don't go into marriage saying, this is pretty good, but in case it don't work out, there's always Betty. I don't know. Betty just popped in my head, but I don't know if there's anyone named Betty in this room. You shouldn't feel bad about yourself if your name is Betty. It's kind of a throwback classic name, so in a way it's cool still. But the point is, if you're in the marriage going... I'm all in, but if it doesn't work out, there's always Betty. You're not all in. You're living on plan B. You've already come up in your mind with an excuse to only take so much or only go so far till it gets to that point. Then you're going to try to go for what you think is better for your life. We need to eliminate plan B in our life. That's what I love about the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter, the Bible says that in Mark Chapter 1, it says, Jesus walked down by the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon, who was Peter, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he says, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once, somebody say at once. At once. Read those first two words to me. What does it say? At once they left their nets and followed him. I love that. 
What does that mean? It means that Jesus finds us in our field. He finds us doing what we have been called to do. And, and same with Elisha. It's like, yo, you're plowing a field. You're, you're, you're getting it ready for crops. And I'm going to take that and I'm going to teach you how to plow the kingdom. And I'm going to teach you how to plant spiritual things. He does the same thing with Peter. He says, I'm going to now take what you're good at and I'm going to teach you how to do it with people. And at once, Peter leaves. At once. And I love this. It says when he'd gone a little further, he saw James and John preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed them. I want you to focus for a second on that word hired men. A lot of people say that Peter was the most successful out of all of them. So if they had hired men, that means it's very likely that Peter left an entire business, a whole fishing operation that he just completely abandoned at once. And he followed Jesus. This is what he did. He didn't say, you keep that business running because I'm going to try this out. If it doesn't work, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take it. No, he went all in. Somebody say all in. This is the only kind of life that we can live for Christ. You say, why are you preaching this to me? Because I feel like if you're here today and it's not working, probably one of the reasons it's not working is you're living a life like this. You know, you tried to throw away your demon tapes. <laughs> but you're still listening to the four MDs on your mixtape. You know, you, you, you're eating out of the company cabinet. There, there's a problem. You, you, got a, you got an Asherah pole by your altar, and it needs to be cut down. You got to go all in for God. God has called you to live this all-in kind of life. And, and I've heard people actually try to intimate that Peter did what I'm suggesting that you don't do, that, that he kept the business running. Why? Because when, when Peter denied Jesus three times, the Bible says that there's a passage of Scripture where, where he looks at the guys that he's with. It's actually John chapter 21. And he, he's so brokenhearted over failing God that he says, I'm going fishing. Okay, so there's a lot of people that think he went back to his fishing business. I don't, I don't really think that's the point of John 21, that he's going back to his fishing business. And I want to defend Peter here for a second because this is the guy that left everything at once. This is the guy that in John chapter 6, verse 68, after Jesus had just declared that the only way to be saved is to eat his flesh and drink his blood, which is not a very popular thing to say to anyone, he loses a bunch of disciples. His disciples just start leaving in droves. I mean, the Bible says from that day, many of his disciples left him and followed him no more. It wasn't temporarily. They bounced. They didn't want anything to do with Jesus any longer. And Jesus looks at his disciples and looks at Peter. He goes, what are you going to do? Are you going to leave me too? So Jesus is hurt by this. He looks at Peter and goes, you're going to leave me too? You're going to leave me like everyone else? I think that this is, this is very revealing what Peter says. Peter goes, where am I going to go? He's like, what, what, you're, the, you're God. You have the words of eternal life. You called me when I was a fisherman. And, and I went like this. I didn't go like this. I went like this. This is the only life I know anymore. I only have you. Somebody here today needs to make Jesus your ride or die. Because he made you his a long time ago. Okay, he's not giving up on you. He's not walking out on you. You need to make a determination. that You're not testing this out any longer. And I feel like people have permanency problems when it comes to this world that we live in. There's so many different options out there. I think it's why so many people jump around churches. 
is they want to find the perfect pastor. You're going to be very disappointed. If you're here today, you're like, well, I like you. You would stick around. <laughs> I promise you, it, it, quickly, you'll, you'll, you'll come to not like me over something. You know why? Because I, I feel that way about myself. <laughs> when, I watch, when I watch my own stuff back, I'm like, what, what am I doing? <laughs> and I have to continue to grow just like you to be the man that God has called me to be. So, so why live that way, expecting perfection out of everything? If you're judging your faith and you can only go one foot in and you gotta keep a little toe out because you can't find one single Christian that meets your definition of what a Christian can, should be, you got your eyes on the wrong person. Take your eyes off the man and put it on the man. Okay, you take your eyes off the man, you put it on the man. See, this is what it looks like. When you, when you live this all-in kind of life for God, the Bible says keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It means he started it. If you let him, he will finish. He'll finish. We have to go all in. This is something that all of these lost causes had in common is all of them were willing to go all in once they found the truth. Peter abandoned his whole life. So stop, stop banging on Peter like he's a bad guy. I mean, if, if, if you think that he's weak and you don't like him, who jumped out of the boat when Jesus was walking on the water? Who else jumped out of the boat to go to Jesus and to walk on water? I'll wait. <laughs> Nobody. One guy, his name was Peter. And he went all in, actually literally that night because he lost his faith and he went all in the water, underneath the water. But he did jump in. He was willing to go all in. That's the kind of person that he was. God loves the kind of people that are willing to push it all to the middle of the table. Please today, please, if you're learning anything today, learn the commonality that some of these great men and women of God had in the Bible is they're willing to push it all into the middle of the table for God. You know, and I think, I think so you say, well, why'd Peter go fishing? I think it's pretty simple. I think when you truly have given up on yourself and you've given up on God, a lot of times a man cut off from his future will always go back to his past. It's just he doesn't know where else to go. He doesn't know what else to do at that point. I don't think that he was trying to find an alternate career path or something like that. I think he's just like, I don't know what else to do. But luckily, what's so beautiful about that is even in that moment when he went back to his past, the Bible says that in John chapter 21, he goes fishing. He's denied Jesus three times. He's shameful. What he's done is so terrible. And he goes out in the boat. They fished all night. And the Bible says they caught nothing. But it says early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. And the disciples didn't realize it was him. And Jesus called out to him, hey, don't you have any fish? He's probably thinking more like, yeah, keep fishing. You ain't going to find nothing without me. And he goes, they said, no. He goes, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did it, they were unable to haul in the net because of the number of the large fish. So Jesus came and found him in his worst moment and rescued him. I love that so much about the Lord. You know, you look at the life of, of Paul, another lost cause, a murderer, a flat out murderer. Acts chapter nine says, his name used to be Saul. It says Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogue in Damascus that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus, so he's trying to kill Christians. As he neared Damascus on his journey, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground 
And the voice said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He says, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And I love what he says to Paul. And this is what some of us need to do if you're living one foot in today. He goes, now get up and go. Say that right now. Say, get up and go. He says, get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Stop living with one foot in the past today. Get up and go. Put one foot in front of the other. Move forward to the future that God has called you to. Go all in. Genesis chapter 12, God says to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's house to a land that I will show you. John chapter 8, Jesus looks at the woman caught in adultery, and he says, go. He says, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. I think we've got to be willing to get out of our past, stop living that play it safe kind of life and go all into the life that God has called us to live. And I believe that he comes into our life in a way that we can't imagine when we put our trust and our faith in him. Stop doing things that don't work. Can I get an amen from someone today? Stop doing things that don't work your old life doesn't work anymore. That's why when Peter went back and went fishing, it says they fished all night and caught nothing. If you start thinking to yourself, oh, I had it better. I had it better back when I was up in the club. No, you didn't. That's why you came to church. Because remember Israel? Israel started complaining in the wilderness. They're like, oh, we had it better back when we was in Egypt. Really? In slavery? Isn't that funny how when you get discontent with just where you are temporarily, you start lying to yourself about what the past used to look like. Oh, yeah, well, I liked you way better. I liked Billy more than I liked you. He was a better man than you. No, Billy used to beat you all the time. That's why you left him, but you're lying to yourself right now because that's what happens when you get discontent at what God has called you to do. You reinvent history. Stop reinventing history and start creating a new history with what God has for your future. God wants to redeem you. He wants to take you from where you are to a brand new place, but you've got to go all in. Did you know that when, in this story, when God knocks Paul off of his horse, the Bible tells us that scales come on his eyes. This is so strange. It's just a weird story, but it's, it's amazing. Physically, like like, like skin or like scales from like a reptile or something go over his eyes and he's blind for days. God tells this other man named Ananias, he says, look, I'm, I want you to go find this guy, Paul, or he said, Saul, I'm doing a work in his life and I need you to go lay hands on him. And Ananias is freaked out because he knows who Saul is. And he starts kind of going back and forth with God. And he goes, hey God, I've heard many reports about this man. He's done a lot of harm to your people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest anyone who calls on, the na on your name. Here's what I love about the Lord, is the Lord said to this servant of God, Ananias, he said, go. He even tells him to go. He said, this man is my chosen instrument. To Somebody say chosen instrument. To proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I love that idea that we are God's chosen instrument. He has chosen us no matter what we look like, we're called to live an all-in life with God. No matter what our past is like, we're called to live an all-in life for God. We are his chosen instrument. No matter what anybody, Ananias, Ananias argued with God, said, really? Him, God? And God said, hey, stop making fun of the instrument. 
I want to tell you a quick story. Pablo Picasso was in a bar. This is not a joke, it's a true story. He's in a bar and someone comes up to him and offers him money to sketch something out for him. And he says, I'll buy it for you. He says, draw me something right now and I'll buy it from you. Pablo Picasso takes a pen, it's just laying around, draws an unbelievable sketch. This guy had produced over 50,000 works of art in his lifetime, I I extraordinary artist. So he sketches it out and the guy looks at it and goes, wow, what do I owe you? And Picasso says, $100,000. And the guy goes, are you kidding me? That took you five minutes. And he says, no, it took me 40 years. Okay, so there's a power in that. There's a wow moment and yeah, that's, that's profound that, that your gift is not developed overnight, that it takes a long time and I, I, I get that. But what I'd like to point out to you about this today, I don't think anyone ever talks about this in this story, is that he just picked up a pen that was on the table at the bar. He picked up some random pen and he, he sketched out something that was a masterpiece. It's not the instrument. It's the artist that makes the masterpiece. It's not the instrument. It's not you. It's not what you look like. It's not, oh, there, it's not that you're qualified. It's the fact that God is the, is the artist that is going to create the masterpiece, not because of you, but in spite of you. But if you're going to have anything in common with these lost causes, you cannot live this kind of life. You gotta throw away your mixtape. Look at someone next to you say, throw it away even though it's got the four MDs on it. Gotta, you gotta eliminate your company cabinet. Look at someone next to you say, I know the Oreos are good. Come on, tell them, just look at them say, especially the double stuffs. That should just be the standard now. They need to get rid of the old ones. The double stuffs is real. You want screw that joker and it's on one side, you eat that, never mind. We'll talk about that later. You got to get rid of the company cabinet. Man, you, you, you got to get rid of the horoscopes. You got to get rid of living that kind of double life. It's just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And you just got to go, look, I trust you, Lord. I'm not going back to my old life. I'm not going back to my old friends anymore. I'm not going back to my old crew anymore. I'm not going back to my old way of living anymore. I'm all in for you. Just like Peter said, what else have I got? You're my everything. So who's willing to go all in today? That's, that's what this morning is all about. Who's willing to go all in? I'm asking you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here today, the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart. And you know that you've been living that kind of life. One foot in, one foot out. And you know that the Lord is drawing you by faith to live all in. What kind of anointing did Elisha end up having because he was willing to go all in? Just that nobody that was out in the field with some cows? I'll tell you this right now. After he died, many years later, somebody tried to bury someone in the, in the grave that he was in. And when their body touched his bones, the body came to life. They were resurrected because they simply touched his bones. <laughs> that's what an all, that's what an all in kind. What kind of anointing did Peter have that was willing to walk away from his fishing enterprise and go all in with God? 
Only the kind that people would show up praying that his shadow would pass on them because they would get healed every time his shadow would come on them. What kind of anointing did Paul have? The guy that was knocked off his horse and was blind, had scales on his eyes. What kind of anointing could God have with someone that's willing to go all in? Only a murderer who hated Christianity, who hated anything to do with Jesus Christ, ended up being one of the most powerful agents of the Christian faith in history, writing two thirds of the New Testament. That's what God can do with someone that's willing to go all in. I'm telling you, burn up that equipment today. Even if you gotta have a going away meal, say, hey, whatever. Even if it's a celebration, I'm celebrating, I'm going away, but I'll tell you what, bye. I ain't never coming back. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.